Well, good morning. Are you having a good day? Yes? You having a good day? Alright, it wasn't an overwhelming response, but there was a little bit of response there. Some of you are actually awake. Um, so here's the question. What would it take for me to turn your good day into a bad day? <laughs> well, I don't be asking those kind of questions, or I'm getting up and I'm getting out of here. I don't want to hear none of that bad day stuff. Now, seriously, what can I say to you that would turn your good day into a bad day? How about if I told you that that big boom you heard out there a little bit earlier was somebody that just ran into your car and it's a total loss? Would that turn yours into a bad day? How about if I told you that uh, while you were sleeping last night, the stock market crashed? And there's no money on Wall Street. I don't know if there's any money up there anyway, really. But <laughs> would that ruin your day? What, what could I tell you that would just uh, turn, if I gave you bad medical news? If I came to you today and said, the doctor called me last night because he lost your number. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but he's got a bad medical report for you. Would that turn your good day into a bad day? I suspect that most of us, most of us struggle under a certain amount of fear or anxiety about what could happen, about what might happen. Today our topic is worry. We're talking about awaking from worry. It's time to awake from our worry. And you know, this is, a, this is an extremely important topic for us to talk about because it's something all of us wrestle with to some degree or another. Obviously, some of us more than others. But I wonder, I wonder if it's possible, if we could measure this, if it would be possible for us to determine just what are the effects on our lives of worry compared to the effects on our lives of the actual bad news if and when it does come. And I have a suspicion, I don't think there's any way to authoritatively prove this, but I have a suspicion that our worry is actually more detrimental to us and actually holds us back more than all the bad news we ever get in our lives. You thought about that as a possibility? And if that's true, just go with me for a minute. Suppose for a minute that that, that is true. Wouldn't it be good if we could get control of that and get that worry out of our lives? I mean, let's face it, we're all going to deal with a certain amount of bad news at some point in our lives. But should that bad news control us before it ever comes? Now, fortunately, the Bible is really clear about this topic. I mean, there are some things that the Bible kind of leaves room for us to have to dig down and, and discover uh, sometimes we have to piece things together to draw conclusions from the Bible. There are some things in the Bible that are just crystal clear. In Matthew chapter 6, the Bible tells us this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Well, we could just stop right there and say, well, the Bible's pretty clear. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. How many of you are worried about your body? You don't have to raise your hand. I know. <laughs> Some of you will admit to it. 
Some of you say, well, you're talking medically, you're talking cosmetically, you're talking appearance. It doesn't matter. How many of you worry about it? What you eat, what you wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? There's an obvious answer to that. And yet the question is, have you asked yourself that question and have you considered the answer? Because I know you worry. I know you worry because every one of you that I've met is just like me. We're just a bunch of humans, okay? We're, we're enjoying this human experience together, and there are certain things that are common to all of us. And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? The truth is, worry produces absolutely nothing. Worry doesn't accomplish anything in our life. It doesn't produce anything in our life, anything that's positive. It produces stress, maybe. Worry doesn't accomplish anything. Watch this video. The fall of 2008, um, Brian had applied for a job with a company that sent contractors to um, other countries, such as Iraq, and he found out, I think in October, that um, they were offering him a job. On December 26, 2008, he left. We said goodbye to him, and he uh, went to Georgia for a week, and then flew over to Iraq. And he uh, was gone the first time for nine months, then came home for two and a half weeks, and then last year he was home for four weeks. So he's been gone almost two and a half years. I did not sign on to be a single mom, <laughs> so that's a big one. Um, just learning how to handle even just the little, it's not the big problems that come up because those you have time to talk about and discuss and make decisions together, but it's all the little things that happen, all the parent issues, the constant um, little things breaking around the house, the car breaking down, the, the every everyday little things that come up that you have to, to deal with all on your own. I've, I've learned to um, to just turn to God with everything. Um, I, I've learned that God is my everything, that He can be my husband when I need Him to, He can be my kid's dad, He can step in and, and handle any problem that comes up. And so I've learned to, to just have to turn everything over little by little to Him. A few months before He left, my mom had died. And um, this is one of the experiences that I go back to on a regular basis. About a month after she had died, he was not here. He was actually living in Orlando and working there. So we only saw him on the weekends. But I remember um, one day just being in my room crying and feeling so, so lonely and so sad. And I felt arms wrap around me. And so that's something I go back to alone often. But just to be able to, I've had that experience. I was glad I had that before he left because when he's gone, when I am lonely, when things happen, um, when really bad things happen, and 
I catch myself thinking, what, you know, I get to go home with them, everybody else gets to go home with their spouses and clients on your shoulder. I have still somebody there. I, God is always with us, and he's always there for us to turn to. You see the benefit of releasing the worry, just being obedient to God's word. Do not worry. Do not worry about your life. It's about as clear as it gets. And even the little things, the car repairs, and things broken around the house, when we release that worry to God and give it over to Him, there's a freedom that comes with that. And when we learn to trust Him with the little things, then we can learn to trust Him with the big things. Matthew chapter 6 continues. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? We're being taught that all of the things that consume so much of our lives the things that consume so much of our thought process are things that God will take care of because He's God. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Let me repeat that. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But... Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There's enough trouble in the world without us having to go manufacture more in our minds. And you know that's what we do. We manufacture trouble in our minds. And the Bible is so crystal clear for us. Do Not worry. Now, if we're going to be honest, how many of you would say right now, I am guilty of violating the Word of God? Wow. We don't want to admit that publicly, don't we? We don't want to admit that even to ourselves. But here's a clear example where you and I are guilty of going against what God says because we get wrapped up in this issue of worry. Very clear instructions. God told us He wants us to put our trust in Him instead of ourselves. Instead of anything for that matter. Watch this. Uh, Back in um, about seven years ago, um, I went into the doctor for a routine uh, ball pulled. Had some swelling in my glands. And uh, after about a month of it not going away, the doctor biopsy on it and um, I was about 34 years old and it turned out to be cancerous and from what they told me down here you know that was throat cancer and a non-smoking 34 year old was very uncommon one in a thousand or one in a million he said turned out when I went up to you know Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville he uh, it was a lot more common than we were told but 
before all this happened, I was um, a good Christian, a strong Christian, but maybe not as faithful, not as um, dependent on it. And, you know, shocking news, you know, 34 years old, go to doctor's visit, and he's got some very serious cancer in his system. Um, fear and concern and worries all started, but Small things like car repairs, big things like cancer. What would it take to turn your good day into a bad day? Is it, is it the actual bad news? Or could it just be what we get our minds all wrapped up in? Could it be that we give ourselves over to living less than what God wants us to live, below the standard that God wants us to live, because we've given our mind over to all of these vain imaginations, these empty worries. Again, the Bible is extremely clear. Do not worry. Now, we can worry in anticipation of bad news. Or then when we get a piece of bad news, like Scott getting that announcement, that diagnosis from the doctor, then the worry can come in. But what is that worry? That's worry of the anticipation of what might happen. What are we going to do with that? You see, here's, here's the problem I have. If the Bible is so very clear, do not worry. And yet, you and I continue to have this issue, this struggle. It continues to fight with us. Why is it that we can't get beyond the issue of worry? I have casual conversations with you and I hear the things that come out of your mouth. And you hear the things that come out of my mouth. And it reveals where our thoughts are. And it reveals what we're thinking about. And it reveals sometimes what our fears and our worries are all about. The Bible is so clear. Philippians chapter 4 says, Don't worry about anything. <laughs> I don't know how it gets any more clear than this. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Every one of you sitting under the sound of my voice today, you probably already know that. You already know that the Bible says that or something like that. But why doesn't it work out in our lives? Why don't we live it out day by day, step by step? I think there are three questions we can ask ourselves that will help us kind of shine the light into the, to our hearts to, to know what's going on, to, to maybe expose the worryometer. 
I mean, you have, you have a worryometer. Wouldn't it be nice if you had just a little gauge on your chest right here and when you're really worried that the needle would go over when you were feeling good, the needle would go back. Or maybe like the old uh, mood rings, you know, if you just had a worry ring and it would tell you how worried you are. It doesn't work that way, but what if it did? So let's ask ourselves these three questions and see if we can get some insight into what's going on in our heart. First question I want to ask you is, who do you trust? Who do you trust? Uh, well, no, we're in church today. It's Sunday morning. We're in church. And the obvious answer is, well, we trust God. But do we? Let's not just play church here, okay? Let's not play religious games. Let's not play formalities. Let's ask ourselves the really tough question. Let's, let's drill down. Let's bare our souls, at least to ourselves, and maybe to God, maybe to one another a little bit. Who do you trust? I'm a grandfather. I love being a grandfather. It's, this, it's almost as good as being a dad. <laughs> and Levi, my first grandchild, is two years old now. Well, Levi's experience right now is he's learning how to swim. Big deal in his life. If you look at that picture you see on the screen, he's got a little bit of panic on his face at the moment. This experience began with Levi walking around the pool and all of us trying to encourage him, hey, Levi, let's get in the pool and go swimming. Nope. 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 I don't want any part of it. He's got other things to do. And we had to force him into the pool, put the swimmies on, actually pick him up and place him in the pool. And then he wanted out. He wanted no part of it. We continued to work at it and work at it. And finally, he got to where he would walk around the steps inside the pool. And he got good at that, so he kept doing it over and over and over. And he realized he could have some fun. And eventually... After a long time, after actually several days, Levi got to the point where he would lift his feet up and he would let the floaties float him across the water. It was a great moment for all of us. And then once he did it, he's fearless about it. He's in the water and just having a great time. Best thing ever. The transformation in Levi's life came when he realized that his daddy was going to be there for him even if he fell down below the water. He realized that he was safe because there was somebody there to care for him. And I wonder if we could just get to the point where we really, truly trusted God. If we could live our lives like we were swimming in the deep end. But we don't, do we? We spend so much of our lives in the shallow end because we're worried about what might happen in the deep end. There might be sharks out there in the deep end of the pool. Psalm chapter 20 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. What is it that you trust in? Do you trust in your bank account? Do you trust in your retirement fund? Where, who are you going to put your trust in? Are you going to put your trust in your job? Are you going to put your trust in your real estate? Are you going to put your trust in your American freedom? How about we learn to put our trust in the one who's trustworthy? How about we learn, starting with the small things like car repairs and broken things around the house, Relationship issues, money, medical issues, health issues. Well, how about we learn 
to trust in who God is. The second question I think we need to ask is what do we believe? What do we believe? What do you believe? Ask yourself the question, what do you believe? John chapter 8 says, You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But when you believe the truth, you can be made free. When you don't believe the truth, what do you think that leaves you? A captive. A friend of mine was talking with someone else about a housing issue. And she was telling her story that I, uh, I went through this difficult time, but eventually God came through and we got this house and we really love this house that we're in. And the friend turned to my friend and said, but what if that's not my story? What if? How much of your life has lived under the cloud of a what if? Do you drive up and down the road with a big billboard hanging over your head that says, yeah, but what if? Yeah, but what if? I don't think there's a lot of room in our lives for the negative what ifs. There's some room for the positive what ifs, but not for the negative what ifs. Because we need to believe the truth of God's Word. And herein, I think, we find the real problem. You and I get wrapped up in worry and wrapped up in believing all of pop psychology and all kinds of things in our culture instead of believing this. Instead of believing what God says. Instead of believing the truth of Almighty God's powerful Word. When do we get to the point where you and I learn believe God's Word. What are we going to believe? Now, this is a fascinating story. In, in Numbers... Well, let me back up one. You remember the children of Egypt were in captivity for like 400 years. The children of Israel were in captivity in Egypt for like 400 years. And, and God sent Moses to deliver them. And so they, were, they got out from under the Pharaoh's um, uh, reign. And they went out into the wilderness because where God promised them what? He promised them that He would give them a land flowing with milk and honey. God promised them something like a paradise. Something like a Cape Coral or something. I don't know. Yeah, you're still awake, some of you. God promised them something. And they left that, that 400 years of captivity and they went out into the wilderness and because of their sin they wandered around for 40 years. But eventually, at the end of this 40 years, they came upon the threshold of stepping over the Jordan River into the Promised Land and they said, you know what, we're going to send out spies into the land to check it out. And in Numbers chapter 13, we read this account. The spies have gone over and they checked it all out. And uh, this is what they said in Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. And lo and behold, guess what? It does flow with milk and honey. And it talks about, in other places, about how the great clusters were so big that it took two men to carry them on a pole over their shoulders. The great, the, the, it, it was just a, a wonderful land flowing with milk and honey and all kinds of glorious stuff. And they said, yes, Moses, we went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. And look, here's the fruit. We're giving you proof that God's Word is true. And then there's a verse that follows. And look at the first word of the very next verse. But, but, 
The people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. And we even saw descendants of Anak there. Ooh. You know, I read this story and I think, you bunch of, I want to say idiots. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. You bunch of fool. I don't know if I can say fools either. You bunch of not smart people. <laughs> you bunch of Israelites. God said you're going, I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. You know we're at the threshold. You've seen the land is flowing with milk and honey. This is what God gave you. And what do they come back with? But, but, oh my friends, I think we all have a big but in our lives. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> There's a big butt that's hanging out there. That <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> There's a there's a large objection in our minds. <laughs> Where we want to take the truth of the Word of God and we want to throw up our own reasoning, our own logic, and what we see with our physical eyes instead of the truth of what God's Word says. And you and I get underneath that burden of logic and we get underneath that burden of rational thinking and we get underneath that burden of cultural psychology or popular culture or whatever it is instead of following and believing and trusting the Word of God. And consequently, our lives are lived far below standard. And the third question I think we need to ask ourselves is where? Where are you going to turn? Where are you going to run when the difficulty comes? Because the difficulty will come. The challenge will come. The bad days will be there. But who are you going to trust? What are you going to believe? And where are you going to run? Psalm chapter 71 says this, In You, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In Your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn Your ear to me and save. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. When's the last time you went to the Word of God to find refuge and a fortress and a rock in an unstable time? And I want to tell you today, you have all of the power and all of the tools you need to eradicate worry from your life. And it's who you're going to trust what are you going to believe and where are you going to run? I want today to encourage you to run to the rock, to run to the fortress, to run to the refuge. Psalm 91 talks about how we can hide under the shadow of His wings. We run to the, the wings of God to hide under His shadow and to find refuge and peace and comfort. And today there's hope for us to awake from this lethargy of worry, to awake from living our lives subpar, below God's standards, if we'll believe His Word, if we'll ask ourselves, and it will answer, we'll learn how to answer, who do you trust? What do you believe? And where do you run? Father,
we need your help. We need to be uh, taught, instructed. We need to learn how to grow in this area. But God, you're big enough and you're God enough. And you're trustworthy enough. We trust you. We want to trust you. We choose to trust you. Help us, God, in Jesus.